1: Welcome back, Blue Jays fans, to another wonderful episode of Jaybird Watching. I am Craig Borden with my partner in crime, as always, Brandon Panikar. It's a new year, man. What's going on?
0: New year, man, and 49ers are still playing football, so I can't complain, my man.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, the Bills are not, but
0: you know what? Uh, That uh, football game on Sunday would have been a lot closer and much more entertaining if it was the Bills and the Chiefs. There's no way the Chiefs would have scored 51 points on the Bills defense. So Not I feel to... sorry for you guys. I was uh, I was totally on with you guys, but hopefully you're joining me on the uh, 49er bandwagon for the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, no problem there. And speaking of senior, I already half-introduced him. Other fellow Bills Morning Ship uh, fan here, Adam Corsair of South of the Six is joining us once again tonight. Adam, how the hell are you, my friend?
2: Wait a minute, wait a minute. This football going on? That's weird. I thought it was over when the Bills...
1: Wait, what? And then the Patriots are gone? Oh, no. There's football? (laughs) What? Yeah,
2: that doesn't make make any sense. No, I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's always great talking to you guys. Thank you got to keep me in check with this so I, i get inundated with the raptors talk so to be able to talk blue jays it's always a beautiful thing and i'm all here for it
1: yeah you always got a home here my friend so whatever whatever's going on in uh raptors land is always more than welcome to have that quick transverse over to our show for your blue jays fandom but fellas there is not a ton going on in blue jays land You know, we got our arbitration cases, but there's some other little nuances, but not a ton going on. So we got some fun things to talk about on the show here, along with what the hell would it actually take to land some like Nolan Arenado fellas, but we'll get that in a little bit. Um, Adam Corsera, I'm going to kick you off with the fact that we actually do have some guys coming back here with our arbitration stuff. Ken Giles, Matt Shoemaker, Anthony Bass, and Brian Drury all signing with the Toronto Blue Jays for one-year deals. This is a good sign, right? They got some of these guys locked up that we knew we should have. And then maybe some extra backups, right?
2: I think it's always good to avoid arbitration because, you know, for me, intuitively, when you go into an arbitration hearing, that just kind of is an ugly sign. And I'm sure the players and, you know, ownership and the front office, they don't really take it personally. But for me, I just, there's some sort of cohesion and chemistry aspect to it that you can just. Avoid all the drama, avoid the bidding war, avoid the, you know, the, the back and forth aspect of it and just agree to a number and move on. For me, that gives a lot more clarity to the front office to of what they are able to do moving forward. If they are going to make any more moves, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. And whether that be a trade, whether they want to sign up some more free agents, they have a solid number that they can reference and say, okay, we have this much on the books, so Rather than go to an arbitration hearing. And say, we don't know what's going to be the result of that. You know, so it, it takes the the question marks out of the air. Uh, and for me, you know, these are kind of no-brainers. Like, I know, like, a lot of people were kind of scratching their head when it came to Brandon Drew, but for me, like, infield depth is good. And there was, like, you know, chunks of the season that he was serviceable and that I didn't really mind him on the team. Um, I, and even right now, I don't really mind him. And, you know, Ken Giles, that to me was a no-brainer. Shoemaker, it's a no-brainer. So for me, this is just a big, the eagerness of the front office trying to get things done quickly and try to move on to to improve this team as quickly as possible.
1: Mr. Panakar, your take. I, I completely agree. I
0: honestly don't think there's much uh, to necessarily add on that. I, mean, it's, I completely agree with what Adam says. It takes the potential for drama um, in the front office with a player out of the equation. I mean, we saw what going to arbitration did between Marcus Stroman and the front office over the last number of years, and that got ugly pretty quickly when they didn't pay him what uh, he felt he was worth. So you avoid that with uh, a key guy, especially like Ken Giles, who is one of the best relievers, if not the best reliever in all of baseball last year. You know that he's going to be a lockdown guy for 2020. Just pay the guy. He deserves it. Um, and relievers aren't paid that much anyways to start, so Ken Giles is now getting upwards of what he should for a high-leverage guy. Definitely could get more on the open market, but the fact that you got Giles for under $10 million I think, is a nice piece of business. The one thing I will say, and maybe this will open up conversation, I still don't know what the hell Brandon Drury is doing on this roster, especially when you add in the fact that Travis Shaw can basically do everything Brandon Drury does. I mean, I know Shaw's going to be pretty much locked in at first base in DH with Rowdy, and you have that kind of flip-flop like he did with Smoke and Encarnacion and Colabello back in 2015 and 2016. So I guess the idea is Drury is kind of like your super utility guy to play some third, some second, but can't Santiago Espinall do that as well? A guy who's getting on everybody's radars. So it adds to me why Brandon Drury is still on this roster, I guess, what the hell. If he goes out and has a good spring, maybe he could be attractive to a team in a trade, but just kind of seems like uh, an odd use of a roster spot having Brandon Drury here.
1: I wonder how much of the Brandon Drury conversation is the fact that he still somehow, over all his major league experience, is still (laughs) equipped with one remaining option on his contract. The fact that you have that flexibility for a guy that is major league quality, Maybe it is in the super utility role, but yes, it's just more organizational depth, and I tend to agree with what you said, Brendan, as far as young guys go. Santiago Espinal is one of those guys that's tipping on the cusp of, or just about to kick the damn door in one of the other. The guy is oozing with talent, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. But with a young pitching staff around Ryu and Shoemaker, having somebody locked down like ken giles is worth its weight in damn gold and even to the extent of a veteran like bass i know he's not anything crazy but is a guy that can chew up innings and has been having a salvageable major league career so Worst case scenario, like we said, guys, we got the, the one key guy out of this. Shoemaker is going to be a nice fill into this rotation after what we saw from him last season before his unfortunate accident, injury, whatever you want to call it. And the fact that it's piecing together a really nice Blue Jays team, even with these little pieces filling in here, and not taking a ton of guys' arbitration does bode well for the Blue Jays' locker room. So, fellas, speaking of contracts, somebody just brought some serious rain on their major league contract, <laughs> Brendan Panikar. I think you can pick up where I'm going.
0: <laughs> I mean, you gotta think that uh, Josh Donaldson's gotta consider coming out the Purple Rain as his mascot song. Don't you think? <laughs> that is to be playing in Minneapolis At St. Paul. It's, uh, I mean, great job for the Twins. You know, I don't remember the last time the Twins truly landed an impact player of Josh Donaldson's caliber. I know they've added in the past some minor starting pitchers like an Urban Santana or a Michael Pineda, but they've never really seemed to land the superstar in free agency. You know what? I think the Twins' downfall last season uh, was not adding that impact guy at the trade deadline that didn't get them over the division series. I mean, they're going to be in tough with the Yankees anyhow. But still, uh, the Twins are real. Uh, And Josh Donaldson, apparently one big selling point to him was Rocco Baldelli they had a, apparently a previous relationship they know each other well the twins made a very good impression on him and when Atlanta was not prepared to go to the 100 million dollar mark which is kind of surprising you know given the fact that he had that previous relationship with Anthopolis uh especially here in Toronto that they wouldn't go up there um but um I'm, I'm happy for him and you know what? it's going to be nice to see Josh Dawson back in this city uh, every year, whenever the twins come here, so he'll get his dues and uh, some more ovations uh, from here on out for the rest of his career, probably.
1: Corsair, pick it up.
2: Yeah, it's uh, this is something that was definitely deserved, and you know you don't really see a lot of this anymore. At least in the in, you know in the, in the modern days of the MLB right now, that a guy on um, quote unquote the wrong side of is getting a pretty decent chunk of change. In a contract for a pretty decent amount of term right so this is, could potentially be as we discussed off this could potentially be a five-year deal um i'm not sure if the option after the fourth is a player or a team option but regardless he's on there for four years guaranteed 90 plus million dollars right and I, I don't know that you'll necessarily see that as much anymore so to give it to, to a guy like josh Donaldson, who's playing By injuries towards uh, the end of his tenure as a Toronto Blue Gays, sort of unceremoniously left the team or got traded away from the team. Um, You kind of got to be happy for him. He's had nothing but love for the city of Toronto, for the Toronto Blue Gays, and for the fan base. So for me, you know, reciprocating that to him is is always a huge plus, and I think he deserves that. I think he's going to kill it. And and guys like these, you just, it's hard to come by. So if you're going to pay upwards of almost. I mean, sorry, $100 million. Um, you can't go wrong.
1: Fellas, just listen to this. And I just happen to be cruising around. And of course, Bleacher Report beats me to the punch because I was actually looking for the lineup for the Minnesota twins. Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson, Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, Eddie Rosario, Mitch Garber, and Jorge Polanco. Last year's totals. That's 233 freaking home runs between those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they are literally just going to bash American League teams into freaking oblivion. And that it, I love that that's the new-look vibe for the Twins. These are guys that, you know, franchise-level players for them are known for just putting bat to the ball. Yes, you had the Kirby Puckets, the Rod Cruz, and everybody like that that could could hit home runs, but that was not the main focus of their game. This team is going to bludgeon. <laughs> Teams, and it's gonna be fun to see uh, you know the Twin Cities actually in the you know hunt more often than not. And watching Josh Donaldson in between those guys, fellas, that's probably easy thirty home runs every year. Having that kind of protection in the lineup It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Oh
0: yeah. So oh,
1: yeah.
0: here's his here's his career at Target Field. In ninety seven plate appearances, he's hit three seventy three with a four sixty four OBP an 8.19 slugging percentage with 10 home runs and 21 RBI. The guy has absolutely raked a target field. And doesn't that sound familiar to former Blue Jays, like Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Bautista, who also seem to absolutely rake a target field? Uh, I don't know what it is uh, in Minnesota, other than the fact that the ballpark is gorgeous. I've seen a game there before um, to make these all these former Blue Jays hit so well there. But uh, I think he's really going to like it, despite how big the ballpark is crazy
2: oh
1: yeah i think despite that ballpark being so damn big i've seen it on my mlb the show guys there's a heck of a batter's view in that ballpark <laughs> it might be spacious but there's just something about that whole thing i think is just key for hitters regardless of the fact that it is and should probably be a pitcher's ballpark so fellas if it was up to the blue jays and you had all the money in the world to throw at josh donaldson Adam Corsair, would you be pulling the trigger on a deal like this for Josh Donaldson? Uh,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> if
2: I'm operating, if I'm operating off of the philosophy that this front office uh, has been operating on, the obvious answer is no. Uh, but for me, like the fan side of it, yes, I, I kind of would, given the fact that you know Vladdy from you know the, the measurables here, isn't quite cutting it at third base. And, you know, having a a defender that is serviceable at third base would be beneficial for this team. But given the fact that also that, you know, at least on the offensive end, the team is trending to be a younger one, I don't know that the front office would see the value in handing out close to $100 million. To someone that's 33. I, that's just my take. But if it were completely up to me, i say, yeah, hell yeah. Why not? It's <laughs> not my money. Screw it.
1: Yeah. Well said, my friend. How about you, Mr. Panikar? Are you ready to shell out 100 for uh, Josh Donaldson at this point in his career?
0: Uh, to bring it back to Toronto? Even though I absolutely love the guy? No. Um, <laughs> just because uh, of how things ended. Uh, but if it was just general, if I was starting my own franchise and had control... Uh, and I wasn't playing on turf every day, uh, <laughs> then absolutely. Uh, so, there it is. Yeah. No. If there was anybody <laughs> other it the Jays, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the big thing. I mean, the previous existing relationship didn't go so well. Uh, he was injured the last two years he was here. Um, but, yeah, if it's the Blue Jays, sure. I mean, no. Uh, but if it's a completely different team that I'm running, absolutely. I love the guy.
1: If you're now the proprietary owner of the Montreal X-Rays, are you signing Josh Donaldson? <laughs>
0: oh, 100%. Yeah. Bring that superstar yes. talent to Montreal. That guy would slay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well played, fellas. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. This doesn't fit the franchise where the Blue Jays are at this point. But I honestly think this is a contract he can do very well with and it is something that he's. I think is just the right hit for where he is in his career. Three four years hit it on the nose I just don't understand how he wouldn't be able to rake in that lineup with those young guys around him somebody like even Max Kepler behind him is gonna just make him see fastballs and we all know how to bring him to rank and just murder fastballs we've seen it a million times so kudos to Josh Donaldson his team uh, joining his new club and I look forward to seeing him it'll be that much more fun so fellas No segue points yet for Adam Corsair, because he's alluding to two conversations from now. (laughs) But um, (laughs) let's talk the more ridiculous side of baseball at this point. New age cheating in Major League Baseball. The Houston Astros, the literal hammer has fallen down on the... And there's been all sorts of fallout from the use of technology and cheating in Major League Baseball. I think this is a sign of things to come to disregard the fact that other teams might want to eventually do this or just cut it off right at the knees, right? Adam, this whole thing with the Houston Astros banging on trash cans and all this kind of stuff has finally been divulged of what's going on and the case study is out. What is your take on what this is and (laughs) what's going to happen, man? This Is crazy, the penalty for what's going on? All
2: right, so... For me, baseball is one of those sports that, you know, I don't like substances dictating performance. So, like, I'm sort of against PEDs. But if it's something that is kind of built into the game, like sign sign stealing at second base, or if you want to find a clever way to do it, I'm not really against it. And I know that may sound controversial. I know people are super purists when it comes to how they handle you know the game of baseball, but for me this is there's something that is sort of baked into this, right? There's something sort of what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's kind of clever, right? The way that this was brought about, how they were able to do this, and how they were able to to discover a way to sign steal. And again, like in a perfect world, no, you wouldn't want anybody to cheat. But I mean, I think we're beyond the the belief that no team ever cheats. Like that's just not going to happen. Right And and in the game of baseball, if you can find a clever way to do it without ingesting substances into your body, I'm not sure that I'm 100% against it. Like, for instance, when everybody was all up in arms about the man in white, like, yes, we knew that was crap. We knew that wasn't legit. I was literally about to ask you if you were the
1: man in white. (laughs) (laughs) No, Like, if it was legit, I'm not upset. And I
2: don't know if that's because of, like, team bias or whatever, but it's, sort of built into the game right like positioning people to sit in certain places positioning cameras to be in certain places positioning uh players in the in the in the in the, in the hallways of the dugout to bang on trash cans or whatever it's sort of built into it so i, I don't know if that's a, a really good uh defense of all this but i'm not as upset about this as other people are
1: all right, Mr. Panikar, I feel like you're foaming at the mouth all, or was it just the white man-in-white comment that got you ready to go?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the man-in-white comment. I completely forgot about that. And remember who started that? It Wasn't it Jake Arrieta before he became
1: That's Jake good. Arrieta? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. so not superstar Jake Arrieta with the Chicago Cubs and now the Phillies. But you know what? Um I, I'm not understanding the people who don't think the MLB came down hard enough on the Houston Astros. I mean, obviously, Jim Crane, as an owner, uh, and all of the money they would have made from all these playoff appearances and runs over the last of a while, $5 million, well, that's a lot to us and to everybody else that's a fan of the game. That's not that, like, it's a lot of money to them, it's not that much money to the Houston Astros, but... I'm not sure how much more you take. You've got to set a precedent for this kind of stuff so people don't do it again. If you have a really rich owner and you can find a way to science deal uh, and get away with it, um, and, like I don't know. I, I don't know why people I, think they didn't come down hard enough.
1: I think it's, where they get hit a the good chunk of is change, the, not just the money, Brendan, but the fact that they lost, they basically lose their manager for a year. Their general yeah. manager suspended for a year. Both of us have sequentially been fired and then the fact that the next draft for the next two seasons, they are forfeiting first-round and second-round draft picks. That puts a ding in an organization. Yeah. Yes, they're built, they're loaded uh, to the damn tooth because they're the Houston Astros, but...
2: <laughs> see, but that's a lot. That's a lot to lose. You lose your
0: manager who, I guess now, you could say maybe A.J. Hinch wasn't that good if he had to resort to ways of cheating and finding advantages. Uh, or Jeff Liu now, who assembled the team. I mean, I'm not sure what getting rid of Lou now does, but regardless, you lose the architects of the team and the guys that put it all together, that's pretty harsh. Uh, and the fact that they're now never going to be members of the Houston Astros anymore, that's pretty harsh, too. Uh, and the draft picks?
2: I, like, draft picks in baseball aren't
0: what um, they are in football or in hockey or in basketball where people could come in and step in and have an immediate impact because of how big the minor league system is, but I don't, like, what else do you want? Like, people want them to strip the World Series title? The players have already yeah. gotten the rings. They're still going to see them. They're still going to be like, we won the World Series. Like, it, that's all done. We've had our ceremony. We've had a parade. We, uh, some of us went to the White House, All did all this stuff that a normal World Series winning team would. I mean, if I'm Carlos Correa or Jose Altuve, and I'm looking at my ring every day post-retirement, I'm like, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm still a champion. You could say in all the books and have it written down everywhere that we're not. But they know that they're champions, so I don't know what stripping a World Series title will do. One thing I saw today is the, I believe it's the Chicago White Sox still hang a World Series banner up from one that got stripped from them way back when. I could be completely wrong on that. They they, they fly something at their ballpark in Chicago that uh, uh, is painted. I think dealing with the Chicago Blackhawks, that whole thing. Anyways, um, I don't think stripping a World Series title will actually do anything my thing is, go to the Los Angeles Dodgers who lost out in the World Series and see what they think would be fair. I wonder if MLB went to the Dodgers and said, this is what we're thinking of, uh, punishing the Houston Astros with. You guys lost the World Series. I mean, you saw Brandon Morrow go lights out throughout the entire playoffs and then his ERA ballooned as soon as he got to the World Series. And people think, yeah, that could be a result of the science stealing and cheating. Uh, so, I don't know. I think the punishment was pretty harsh. I don't know what else people would want, and I also don't know what stripping them of a World Series title will do.
1: I think this hits the nail on the head, at least for the draft picks. Don't forget how the Astros even got to that World Series, fellows. It was building their young talent. They don't draft Altuve or any of those guys or Springer, uh, Correa with those first few round picks. That's a very different looking team. And I think this is going to hurt the Astros' future more than it's going to hurt them currently. But I think that's an appropriate way of attacking it. You know, you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to go over and hand the freaking championship belt to somebody else just because, that. you know, at this point, it's, we're almost going into the third season removed from this. It's not going to happen. As far as agreeing with you, Mr. Corsair i played baseball for how long, all the way through college and everything. The fact that it is part of baseball it is going to happen. If you're not protecting yeah. your signs well enough, this is what is going to happen. The one thing that I think is the issue in this whole thing is introducing things that are outside of the baseball field. This is outside the lines. It's part of the arena, possibly, you know, bringing in the cameras and everything. If it's not a guy on second base tipping joe carter off or something like the for that world series right. winning home run. <laughs> you know those are the kind of things that i think are inherently built in the game if you have a chance to alert your teammate hey you know there's a fastball coming or a curve and you guys have that built in but it's literally you on the field doing this it's going to happen but as soon as you bring in these outside elements whether it's video cameras Apple watches, whatever it might be, that is not part of baseball, and I think that's where they drew a good I agree line with in that. the sands here. You guys, what yeah, do you I agree with that.
2: I, yeah, I think that's just like part of also the um, the the growth in like in the expansion of the times, right? So like now we have all these different avenues and mechanisms and and uses of, of machinery to, to sort of use uh sign stealing to our advantage. Um, and it, it, it all depends on if, if you're able to use it in a clever way. Like, I'm not advocating for cheating. I, I don't want that to get lost in, in the shuffle here. I just think that after examining it, I'm like, all right, well, you know, this is just a new 2019-20, or in this case, 2017, you know, way of, of cheating. And that's just how the game is today. Right? It might not necessarily be how it was in, in, in when we were going up, you know, when we were playing, but now there's these new forms of, of cheating and these new forms of sign stealing, And I, I agree that it should be punishable, but I'm not sure that it's like a betrayal of the game. I, I don't necessarily feel that way. I don't feel that they, they did something like a cardinal sin to baseball at all. Like, And I think the punishment definitely
1: fits the crime. All right, may I play devil's advocate? We saw what happens when a team does a good job of, <clears throat> of covering up their signs because the Washington Nationals are now the World Series champions. Is this just as much of a fault of other teams just not covering up their stuff well enough? Maybe, yeah. kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I just think it's one of those things that this is like, for a person like me that works in technology, anybody that is trying to hack into something, my protection's only as good as how I can deter that person from doing what they need to do to get into what I'm trying to do. And if I'm not putting up a good enough wall of defense, I'm sorry, if you were gonna slip through the goal, fellas.
2: <laughs> right. Right. And I, and I think like, that's just part of trying to to build a robust defense. Right. And it may be the the old way of like, you know, doing a bunch of signs as a catcher to sort of throw off and not being able to sign steal. Uh, maybe that's sort of past day. Maybe you need to do something more. I, I don't know what that would be. I'm just kind of sit-pulling at this point. But the adjustments will be made to deter this line of cheating. And, and that's it. even teams do this at all anymore, which maybe because of this punishment and because people are getting fired, maybe this is enough for teams to be like, okay, no, no, we can't do that.
0: Brendan. So... I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but would you agree with the general question that cheating happens in, in every sport out there in some form there absolutely is like, you can't tell me as a basketball player who's on the court and you're definitely within earshot of a coach. If a coach is screaming out something to his players or getting ready to call a play, if you hear it by somehow you're close enough, you hear the coach tip off a play or something, you're obviously going to go and tell your teammates same thing in football the reason why coaches on the sideline when they're talking into their headset cover up their mouths with play sheets because if the other team can pick up on what you're trying to say or some pick up on signals or anything use that to your advantage kind of like what we were saying earlier with if you're at second base and you're able to pick up on the signs that are going through then why not go ahead and then you even look at the operation side of things when you get into free agency players talk amongst each other there's all these tampering rules and free agency which are so easy to circumvent like as a general manager if there's a player you really want to go out and sign and you know that one of your current players on your roster is good friends with him i'm sure that they say all the time yo take the temperature on josh donaldson if you want to come to the twins max kepler i just make it up <laughs> two random names assuming they have a friendship to prove my right. point, you know what i'm saying but you're definitely Tell going me mr way every possible doing. way Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, when they formed the first super team, they were talking, and there was for sure some way the Heat would be able to find that out, that Dwayne Wade was going to the Miami Heat and be like, hey, Bosh and LeBron, want to come to Miami? We'll keep that under wraps, but uh, it's pretty much a done thing. So, yeah, cheating happens in every sport. If you can get away with it, uh, and it's within the field of play without technology – I think it's where the technology aspect of it, what you were saying, Craig, with Apple watches and cameras and all that stuff, that's off sides. But if you were doing it on the playing field, on the surface, if you're picking up on signs that coaches are giving on sidelines of football or pick up on a play in basketball, because you heard the coach yell something, you're obviously going to tip off your teammates because you want to win. So I don't know. It's uh, it really depends. It's an interesting debate to have. I'm sure there's many people who completely disagree with what I just said, or with what any of us just said, but, uh, That's the fun of
1: sports, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To put a bow on it, fellas, just to summarize the whole thing here, just remember Barry Bonds is still the home run king. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. So moving along, fellas, let's talk more random fun hypotheticals, why the fuck not kind of conversation here. The Colorado Rockies. This is a rumor that Brendan Panikar and myself have talked about on this show, and it just will not go away. Obviously, there has been no treading water of any kind of the Toronto Blue Jays kicking the tires on this. But Nolan Arenado, fellas, has been out on the market. And it sounds like whatever is going to happen here, the Colorado Rockies are more than likely going to trade him at this point. Um, He is currently in an eight-year Extension to his contract. That's he's going into his second season of that. Apparently, there is an opt-out after 2021 for Nolan Arenado. Not, it's a player option. So, what the hell could possibly, in the realm of ballpark here, even get the Toronto Blue Jays if we had to, if we were going to go after him? What are the Blue Jays giving up in this situation? And before I kick this off, I just want to give the, you know, alleged kind of baseline for this. To put this in a scenario, it is this equivalent of the Blue Jays landing somebody like Josh Donaldson all over again. Now, to do that, fellas, we had to send Brett Lowry, who at the time was our quote-unquote third baseman of the future. Kendall Graveman, who ended up turning into a decently salvageable major league pitcher. Sean Nolan, who I don't even think I ever heard from again outside this trade, and then a very good-looking young player in Franklin Barreto that is starting to actually form and do something very good for the uh, Oakland A's in his age 24 season. Um, Adam, you are our guest. If you are trading for Nolan Arenado, what are you able to give up from the Toronto Blue Jays organization to possibly land a guy like this?
2: Um, for me, and this makes me extremely uncomfortable, it starts with Grosham, and I don't want to do that. But I think that, like, given the fact that it's you're going to end up in a bidding war with St. Louis, it's going to take, like, a really solid prospect, right? And we know how this team is with their top-tier prospects, and you can probably imagine that Nate Pearson is the golden goose right now in the, in the, in the farm system. Like, he's unmovable completely. But uh, for me, there's just so much potential and Grossens that I just don't know that I would want to eliminate him from the system and move on from him. Um, but I think that's what it would take in order to make the deal enticing. Um, but we also have to understand—I forgive me, Craig, if you mentioned this—but he also has a no-trade clause, so like he needs to want to come here, like no matter what. Like we could offer Colorado the world, right, for him, and he could be like, "No, I'm I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to Toronto," which is it's. Kind of likely. Like I know people don't like hearing that Toronto is not a destination, but as they are constructed right now, like no one sort of envisions this team to have a winning season this year. I think they'll they'll probably realistically finish at a five hundred level. If I'm Arenado, I don't want to I don't want to go to that right. I'd much rather go to a franchise like St. Louis where they can they're a proven team that can sort of rebuild on the fly and sort of stay competitive. Uh, But for me, it's going to start at like one of those top tier prospects, and you're probably going to have to throw in. Like one of your one of your infielders or your and guys, like a Guriel, which again I'm not sure that I'm I'm okay with, given the lack of outfield depth right now. So it's going to take a lot, and that's why I think the Blue Jays are like kind of backing off from this personally.
1: Brennan,
0: I would go well. First of all, so I'll say this: the Rockies are a stupid organization. Uh, first <laughs> off, why are you looking to get rid of Nolan Arenado? Uh, and secondly. Uh, and like so many other reasons why they're stupid uh, contracts that they've given out to players like Ian Desmond What the hell uh, trades that they've made in the past? What the hell are you doing? Uh, they have a history of consistently fucking up uh, with every single move they make. So I guarantee if Nolan Arenado gets traded, we're gonna be like what the hell are the Rockies doing? They didn't get enough for yeah. Nolan Arenado in which case you can start to formulate a trade package uh, with some of the prospects you have in here now I would be, if I was in charge, I'd be going to Jeff British uh, or Britick, whatever you pronounce his last name, as, uh, the Rockies guy, and be like, hey, um, Vlad and Bo are off the table. Uh, if you want a major league piece, I would consider Cavan, uh, including him in a package. But you can go through our farm system and pick any three or four guys that are not named Nate Pearson. And that includes Ooh. Groshans because Ooh. to give up – to get a Nolan Arenado who is a superstar, franchise-changing player, you have to give up talent. And I guarantee right it would start with Groshans as the main guy. So
2: take yep. any three or four guys. He's gone, though, after 2021. Like, if we're not in a position to compete in, during the 2021 season, he is gone. And, like, to me, that, it's too unstable it's too much of a question mark because you literally need to be all in in 2021. No, like being risk averse. You need to go all in like uh, an style at the trade line, trade deadline times 20. You have to do that in order to entice him to stay. And I'm not sure I have that confidence right now.
0: I do. If you're making a trade for Nolan Arenado, the front office knows that you're going to have to go all in to keep him and win with him there. So if you make that kind of a trade, I think that's kind of predetermining that yeah we're gonna spend we're gonna make other trades we're gonna empty up the farm system and try to win when he's here. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's just me. I'm fine with giving up anybody that's not named Nate Pearson in the system. And we've seen how many minor league players that we currently have that can fill in at third base. Guys just keep on coming up through the ranks, and we can get another Jordan Groshans through the draft potentially. So I don't know. That's just me.
1: Maybe it's just me knowing the fact that this this offense would be untouchable with somebody like. Nolan Arenado in the dead center of this lineup, fellas. Correct me if I'm wrong, but who else outside of Mike Trout has been literally the runner-up for, for an MVP award more times than Nolan Arenado in the last few years? This guy sure. single-handedly yeah. took them almost to the playoffs a few years ago when Troy, Trevor Story goes down in the middle of the prep and the playoff push that year. Nolan Arenado picked that team up and ran with it offensively and got everything going. So I wonder how much, if he ended up, let's say he did come here for the two years, how much that feel he would have gotten when he actually signed this giant extension with the Rockies when the team looks like it's going in the proper direction. If he was in our dugout, it would be all of a sudden be like, you know what, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm surrounded by Boba Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and company. This team is infinitely better and I even think if you do dump the resources in on this trade, like I said, this is all hypotheticals. I give up Jordan Groshans. I don't need Jordan Groshans if I'm getting Nolan Arenado. You've got that giant thumper that's gonna be playing third base for you every day and playing ridiculous defense and crushing balls out of the Rogers Center. As much as I'd love to see Jordan Groshans in Toronto, I would think that if he is the centerpiece of this trade, it's gonna be somebody like him He'll be a throw-in major league player, probably somebody like in the Randall Gritschick ballpark, and then maybe two of our other top 40 prospects in that list. But I think this play, this trade list, would end up surrounding Jordan as I agree with you guys both. Right now, this team isn't competitive without somebody like Nate Pearson rising to occasion in our starting rotation. And has nothing against anybody that we currently have in this starting rotation. But I think the starting rotation going forward, we need our ACE and we need our Roy holiday kind of like level pitcher that will be surrounded by Ryu and company. And I think Nate Pearson could be that kind of a level pitcher. And I think major league baseball in general agrees with the three of us on that one. So yeah. I think that is where you guys are going to start off this base. But Adam, If you were able to pull the trigger on it, take the, you know, doubts, ifs, buts, craziness out of this. Are you willing to trade a quote unquote major league ready blue jay with three or four other prospects to land a big contract like Nolan Arenado?
2: Yeah. Yeah, like there is no doubt that the talent is there and he makes your team like so, so much better. So much better than it was last year and it gives like it definitely re energizes. This fan base, and it it, it definitely changes the narrative about the front office that's been sort of playing them since they started. Um, A move like that speaks volumes that they're able to do it. Um, And for me, like even though I don't like the uncertainty after 2021, I do admire the balls of them just being like, I don't care. It's 2020. We might not even be here. (laughs) That the front office might have like it's it's a future somebody's problem. Um, this sounds like 2015 like, I get all ask- over
1: again, man. <laughs> yeah,
2: basically. You know, and I, I get the aspect of, of, you know, people being like, prospect porn is a thing, and, you know, a lot of prospects will end up panning out, and you've got to trade for the bird in hand. I completely get that. But for me, there's just something attractive about having that infield depth. And um, I, I don't know. When you, when you bring in an Arenado, it does solve a lot of problems, right? Especially at third base, because you can pick him there. I would assume Vladdy would be a full-time DH and you put Shaw over at first. I, I would I would assume. Um, and maybe Rowdy is involved in this trade as a result. I don't know. But I don't know. There, there's a lot of potential on this team that I like that I'd be hard-pressed to give up. But I guess if you're getting a superstar, you've you got to pull the trigger.
1: Mr. Panikar, put on your GM hat. Tell me what you think. I Also, I'm going to add how much
0: we were gushing about the twins signing joss donaldson and go through and look at the twins rotation as it lines up for 2020 you have your horse in jose barrios at the top and we got ours now in rio Then you go through and you have oda rizzi homer bailey randy Dobnak, and some guy i never even heard of i don't even remember seeing him on the team last year devin Smeltzer. that's their top five on their depth chart right he was now He like a, a lot of uncertainty last season <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So he must be a, pro- a prospect or He's something. He's pretty
1: good, but don't get me that's wrong. A pretty it's
0: ballsy. That's a pretty, com- pretty similar-looking, feeling-type rotation to what we've assembled here. So if you throw in an Arenado, and we're talking about how badly the Twins bludgeoned teams last year with a suspect pitching staff, and I'd even say they have a worse bullpen than us when you go through and look at their depth chart. I mean, they don't have a guy that can go shut down in the ninth inning like a Ken Giles. Beyond that, it's a little if he regardless. I think Arenado pushes you over the top enough for 2020 that you will definitely be playing potentially in a playoff game. Add in all the excitement in the jersey sales and ticket sales, I think that's a move that uh, would completely eliminate any lingering hard feelings toward the front office, which has been refreshing over the last few weeks, by the way, to not see any hate on Shapiro and Atkins. It's nice to not see that in the timeline anymore since they signed Ryu, so... I do. I mean, if they came to us with a trade package, um, and they were willing to pull the trigger, uh, and it didn't give up Nate Pearson at this point, then uh, then I'm all I'm all yours. I
2: make the deal.
1: Okay, Colin. Um, you
2: guys, sorry. Were you able to check out MOB.com's trade proposal for this? Anybody?
1: I was not. Let okay, so they're,
2: they're they're proposing Guriel, Jansen, and
1: Grossman oh, wow. for
2: Arenado and. And cash.
1: I was assuming you would probably include one of those two catchers as the quote unquote major league ready level player. If it wasn't somebody yeah. like Randall Kritchik that is kind of the Brett Laurie equivalent in that trade. <laughs> right. That's tough.
0: That's uh and you add in Guriel especially considering he's like their one for sure potentially productive outfielder. I mean Gritchik's there, but we know what he's all about. That uh, that makes it an interesting conversation, to be honest with you, because they would have nothing in the outfield at that point.
2: Exactly, exactly. And for me, like I'd much, i know it sounds counterintuitive, given the fact that outfield is kind of like a gaping black hole right now for this team. But I personally, I'd rather give up Lordis than Kevin. That's just me. I think Kevin is, is is a superstar in the making. I just I love him. Um, yeah. For me personally, I, I'd rather do that. But giving up Jansen tough to swallow. But if, if this is on the table, I mean, I guess you've got to do it. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. Do it. it's tough. It's
0: tough. You know how many catchers are coming through the system right now, and you can at least plug in Reese there for a while. Um, yeah. So in that, oh, in that
2: uh, effect, good, fellas, yeah.
1: if you trade Loris Guriel Jr., does that solidify Kevin Biggio being an everyday outfielder when you got Santiago yes. Espinal and Jordan Groshans yeah, coming? Yeah, I think so. And maybe Definitely. one of those guys as early as spring training if you pulled this trigger.
2: <laughs> well, in this scenario, Groshans would be gone. So, right. yeah, like you, you would have Espinal over at second and you would have Kevin Biggio in the outfield. And for me, like that's something you can finesse. Right, because he shows that he can do it. So at that point, you're sort of, you sort of have no choice.
1: Yeah. Me personally, I don't think Biggio would have any problem in right or left field all day, every day. I think he's athletic enough, and right. his work ethic, fellas, I think that is the one thing that everybody overlooks and or at least gets lost in translation. This guy is a damn grinder. He's ready to just go out there and do every little bit he has to do to win the ball game. So I think that says a lot for the, what, this young talented team is forming into if you do lose somebody like Gurriel we do have somebody that can plug into that I would hate to see it but that package right now if I'm eluding somebody like Nolan Arenado into this situation this team is infinitely better with Nolan Arenado playing third base and no Loris Gurriel Jr. is that what you think too Mr. Panikar?
0: (laughs) Well, I want
1: right. to pose a question. Would yeah. you
0: guys rather pull a trigger on a crazy package for Nolan Arenado or Mookie Betts? Because I know my, my take, even though Betts is is gone after next year, I think Mookie Betts in 2020 would be amazing. And that would push with you price. over the top into potential playoffs. Oh, yeah, with Price, for sure. I would do they
2: that.
1: Do yeah. 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 And maybe that's where we steer this conversation, Mr. Segway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If I'm the Toronto Blue Jays right now, and we already talked to Nar- Nolan Arenado what I would have to give up, what am I possibly having to give up maybe for a year of control of Mookie Betts to give him a possible audition chance to play in Toronto and see if he likes it for his future extension? And if I'm getting a reunion with David Price out of that, guys, that doesn't sound too rough, even if I am giving up one of these top prospects with a few or lower level guys. What do you think, Adam?
2: Uh, I, I think it would uh, take a, a lot less than it would take to get Arenado. I'm a little bit more comfortable with it because from my feel of the Red Sox right now, they sort of want a salary dump, even though they gave him like a pretty good uh, figure, that being Mookie Betts, Um, I do have the—I mean, they just fired the manager, right? And it, it seems like the new front office doesn't really want to have this albatross in the payroll. They kind of want to shed some of it. So if I'm the Blue Jays and you're taking on all that payroll, you're sort of doing the Red Sox a favor, um, it's still an an AL East to AL East trade. So in that aspect, you're probably not giving up a lot. And the expectation is you're not giving up a lot as well. That that seems to be the tradition when it comes to uh, trades like these. So I think that it would cost you substantially less. I still think it would cost you an MLB-ready guy. I still think Lourdes Gurriel would be gone. But I don't think Groshans would be on the table. I don't.
1: Brendan?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think you can remove Groshams from from that at all, uh, considering that you're helping them with Salary Dump and David Price and even now with Mookie Betts' figure. You're h- helping them there. Um, I still think you could be pretty aggressive and say, hey, pick two uh, of the remaining prospects beyond Pearson and Groshams potentially. I mean, that can get a little touchy when you're thinking of an Eric Pardino or an Alec Manoa, but those guys are still pretty far away. Um, I think a guy like Miguel Geraldo, who's raising rising through the system at their base as well, could be of interest. But, uh, yeah, I think at that point you can definitely go to the Red Sox and be like, hey, we're helping you out. We'll take out all of David Price's money. There's no guarantee that we will have Mookie Betts here past this season. So pick any two guys that are not named Nate Pearson or Jordan Groshans, and take one of Lourdes Carrillo or Danny Jansen or Reese McGuire or something like that and get the deal done. But uh, if it goes any more than that, then uh, then I'm starting to consider backing out.
1: Yeah, And I think that today's news that um, we were just talking about with the fallout from the Houston Astros, this is going to rattle the cages of that front office, guys, and I really I'm going to be curious to see how much that actually helps them push the trigger on getting Mookie Betts out the door in these high situations. This is a team that wants to hurry up and hit the reset button quicker than me screwing up a game of Zelda on my old fucking Nintendo. <laughs> you know, it's just how it is. Right. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that is, but I depend, wonder how much of a trade on this kind of avenue, with especially with the Mookie Betts wildcard, the prospect level depends on what we possibly could extend Mookie Betts for at the time of the trade, if anything. So, if I'm Mookie Betts, I'm like, I'm betting on myself right now, unless you give me everything. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) just give me all the money, or we don't talk. (laughs) But, as far as everybody else...
2: Would you you do it for Simeon woods Richardson if he's on the table?
1: I think right now I have to do it. Yeah. Okay. Even with yeah, like, even getting the I, insurance against some like David Price in our rotation, fellas, makes us that much better the next two years. Okay. Right? So, if you, yeah. if you had the chance to go out and grab somebody from another major league team, and any of the rumors that we've heard so far this offseason, though, there's been obviously we've talked Arenado, we've talked Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor is eh, the door's open a little bit, it sounds like, on that rumor but is there somebody that's on any of your guys' minds that you would like to talk about? If I me, The Blue Jays have the 10th best minor league system in all of baseball. I thought that was a little on the low side, looking at the talent that we have past our, you know, quote-unquote, top 30. It's still pretty depth-filled, but I think the rest of Major League Baseball it hasn't seen that collective underneath that top 30 level as well as some of us have. And the fact that they we know that there is plenty of depth in this system because the drafts have been good every freaking year i'm not worried about trading some of these assets as early as right now is there somebody brendan Panikar, that you would be interested out in just throwing some prospects at and getting somebody to help this team win right now
0: i'm still surprised
1: that uh, the
0: conversations haven't uh, or rumors haven't really started with the pirates and Starling marte and I'm going to continue to beat that drum because it seems like such a natural fit now that Ben Charrington's over there. And wasn't the reported asking price for Starling Marte a catcher, which we got plenty of, and Charrington knows this system like crazy? Uh, it just seems like too logical of a fit to be able to make that deal with Pittsburgh. And it's not going I don't think it'll cost you much at all to get Starling Marte if you throw in a catcher uh, like a Reese McGuire. I know the Pitt Buck Pirates gave us Reese McGuire in that Liriano trade, but... Um, if they wanted him back or if they wanted to take somebody lower in the system like a Gabriel Moreno or whoever it is to get Marte in here for a year or two, uh, that's a deal that I'm definitely looking into. Beyond that, I'm not too sure. Um, I don't think there will be any crazy trades for a pitcher coming up. I think for the most part they're done with their rotation. Um, and you're, I don't think the team will trade for a bullpen arm as well. They're pretty successful in-signing guys late in the offseason. Um, like a Cody Allen is still lingering around, so I think they're mainly done on the pitching side of things, say for a few free agent signings, but an impact outfielder uh, like a Marte, who would be a clear upgrade on everybody that they have, would be at the top of my list.
1: Mr. Corsair, anybody burning your brain as who you would like to acquire for the remainder of this offseason, if you could just throw prospects at it?
2: I mean... I had to sort of dig for this like to, to find fits because these you know when it comes to the trade aspect it's, I, I haven't seen this front office make an aggressive trade move that like pushed the needle for a major league ready players they're, they're sort of like mostly focused on the young prospecting kind of guy um, but for me like I know these names aren't going to sound like super sexy and probably one you're going to immediately scoff at and I get it like and it's whatever but like if we're talking about third base, right, and we kind of want to have an upgrade there, David Fletcher isn't, like, the most terrible upgrade. And I know he's not, like, a huge, sexy name, but, like, with the additions already that Los Angeles has made, it's not terrible, and I don't know that it would take a lot, right? And just to have him for, like, sort of the, the stability there. Um, but otherwise, like, I don't know, like... Is Will Myers still a thing? Like, I know he's not that crazy. stole it. That was was mine. (laughs) Is that still a thing happening? Like, San Diego is pretty bad, and they they always, like, you know, hype up their squad, and then they're terrible. So, like, is Will – it's not like, again, it's not someone that's going to push the needle, but, like, I'm willing to bet that he might be better than a lot of the players that we have in the outfield right now, save for maybe a career.
1: I'm going to stick with that idea of the Will Myers thing for about two seconds because the San Diego Padres do not know what to do with Will Myers. So you right. think he would be able to throw a guy <laughs> at it. And honestly, I think the bat is still there. And worst case scenario in the American League, I think that bat will come roaring back. Is This is a guy that we know has already destroyed American league pit- pitching when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. We saw him do it repetitively in the Rogers center to the point where he's just mashing windows and stuff like that. So I honestly would think that would be a great buy low candidate for the Toronto blue Jays and be a guy to throw in them outfield mix. I agree that he's probably not a center fielder, but the tandem of him and Randall Gritschick in center and right field, I think would play itself out with how quick the two of them are. You could fill a lot of gaps in there. Plus, if you're not trading Loris Gurriel in that trade, you got his pretty damn good athleticism on the flip side of the freaking field too, so not a bad idea, I don't think. And I think that would be the cheapest out of all of them. But I'm gonna bring sure. up one that I honestly am surprised with the Cleveland connection that hasn't come up. The I don't know if you guys have looked at the outfield depth chart for the Cleveland Indians or not, but it's starting to get a little crowded, and I wonder what it would take to dr- to pull away a Tyler Naquin from some from the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's got some good defense, has enough sprinkled into it. A guy that's an actual center fielder, right? (laughs) I think he could play center field all day every day and not have a problem. With Mercado in Cleveland right now, I don't think he's an everyday center fielder because he's going to get shoved over to right. But, fellas, that'd be a nice little dynamic of something that the Blue Jays haven't had in a while as far as somebody that could bat high in the lineup and show some athleticism. Random idea. I know it's somebody that the front office actually drafted back in 2012. So I thought that was something that might be a little bit nice for a little cherry on the top for a buy. For a guy that's been batting around 280 the last few years, it's a nice little spark plug in the lineup, yeah. right? Not crazy, not sexy, like you said, but enough to put something on the field versus the Derek Fisher or whatever we got going on in center right now. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I don't even see him listed on their depth chart. I'm on their site now, and yeah. nowhere to be found on here.
1: Exactly. Where the hell is he? Right now, I just found him on the freaking 40-man roster. But as far as it goes, yeah, that's the issue right now in Cleveland. Like I said, it's very odd what's going on in that outfield. And Oscar Mercado, I think, is going to be the guy that takes most of the innings. Now, if you could land him, perfect, great. I don't give a shit. The guy's insanely talented and way better than his 260 batting average last season, I think. <laughs> yeah. But um, I got a chance to see him play in the minor leagues, and I just think that Mercado's the guy, if you were going to go after him and throw prospects from at somebody at Cleveland right now. But I don't think they're ready to trade him because they see him as a future talent. They've only seen him for one year at the major league level. They're not going to give up on him yet. Where Naquin... was that guy that was toted pretty much equally from fellas that has clearly lost his luster in their uh, management. And I don't think that's uh, fair for him. I think he's a good player. So, random idea. Fellas, we're going to do a really, really quick... It's a month away from spring training, and I'm my mind's already in Florida with the Buffalo Bills being eliminated from the playoffs. I don't even give a shit about the Super Bowl <laughs> anymore unless your 49ers <laughs> make it. I'm only thinking spring training, and I want to talk way too freaking early spring training predictions. And, Brendan, I'm going to let you go first on this.
2: Uh, mine
0: is – I don't know sure how drastic they will be, like, going through and looking – at the depth chart currently. I think they're primarily going to roll with the outfield and see which best three or best guy uh, beyond Gritchick and Lourdes steps up and takes center field, Uh, whether that's Fisher or T. Oscar, probably T. Oscar, uh, with Fisher as the fourth. Um, It's not so bold. It's not so like, hey, I told you so kind of thing, but I just have a sneaky feeling that given... Ryan Barucki's arm issues and arm past with uh, injuries and shoulders and all that stuff, that even if he is healthy, I don't think that he breaks camp as the fifth guy. Uh, I say that because Trent Thornton is currently listed as the fifth guy on the depth chart uh, behind Shoemaker at four, Uh, and I just think they're going to be really, really cautious with Ryan Barucki, make sure he's fully good to go, don't rush anything. You have the depth to not have to rush Ryan bit to the big league level. Um, if he's ready, um, give him a little bit in Buffalo potentially and then get him up here once he's fully ready to go and they're comfortable. But I'm going to say Trent Thornton does come out of spring training with that fifth job. I think part of that being they kind of want to reward him for his stability in the rotation of last year. So I'm going to go with that. Nothing that's too crazy. Uh, seems realistic. Uh, and uh, I won't go back and rub it in anybody's
1: face. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Because I feel like you are trying that already. <laughs> so just to put just to clarify, you're not ready to put Ryan Barucky in the best shape of his life yet, category? Huh?
0: <laughs> no, definitely not.
1: <laughs> Show me after spring training that you're still healthy and good to go.
0: The arm issues are a thing of the past, and uh, and then we'll talk.
1: Sounds good to me, my friend. And Trent Thornton definitely deserves a big look and was definitely the most consistent part of our rotation from 2019. Adam Corsair, before we wrap up, we are way too early for spring training. Prediction. Go.
2: I think Anthony Alford's going to light it up and start as the center field. I
1: hope (laughs) as much as... uh, I hope all that was true. Every little word of that. Me too. too. So, uh, as far as pure athleticism goes... Adam, I think he's the best guy in center field. He, he when he's healthy, yeah. he rakes at the plate. I know Derek Fisher's got probably the plus power and still has speed, but Alfred's glove I think outweighs him. And I don't see Teoscar Hernandez as a center fielder. What do you think?
2: Same, same. That's why I think like when you look at the the competition in, in center field, especially if we're cementing Grichuk and Gurriel and, and right and left respectively. Um, I think Alfred, you know, if he comes in with a clean bill of health, he comes in mentally prepared. Um, given the athletic tools that he already has, like the innate talent that he has, um, and I think you and I have talked about this ad nausea before, Like he is the most, I think, athletic person or player on this entire roster. Um, I think that if, if he's focused and he gives it, it all, I think he can turn a lot ahead, and he can seriously like, light it up in spring training, it's dark it starts the year as a starting center to for the Blue Jays. I thoroughly
1: believe that. And currently, the most tenured Toronto Blue Jay, but he's played in what twelve yep. games. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> uh, that's one of the weirdest statistics in I think baseball history for me. So, um, all right, fellas, I got one here, and I really think that Ka- Kevin Biggio is going to be the talk of spring training just like Bob Bichette was last season. I don't know what it is about it. I just had this strange feeling that he's going to come out and just bomb everything this spring training and head hot into this season because I think he knows what he wants now. He's got that experience from being the longest of the royal bloodline in the Toronto Blue Jays organization last season, and I think he's ready to just kick the chains off and go nuts, fellas. I really think that he will be the talk of spring training this year. And on that note, fellas, I think that's pretty much what we got going on this evening, right? Is there anything either of you would like to add to this show?
0: (laughs) Nothing that I can think of. Nothing comes to mind. (laughs) There isn't much going on.
1: Yeah, That's why we had to have some fun tonight talking hypotheticals and random fun with trades. But now we're going to do our shameless self-promoting section. And Adam Corsair, tell us what's up, my friend. You're our guest. Your moment to shine, as you always do on your show. Go for it.
2: Appreciate it, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Like I said, at the top of the show, it's always great to talk to you guys with you guys. Give me a little little bit of a break from Raptors Talk, and that's pretty much what we're doing right now at South of the Six. You can find the podcast uh, and all your podcatchers, whatever you're using, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever you use, we are there. Um, just search for South of the Six, and that is the number six and the letters I-X. Uh, search us up, let us know what you think and uh, if you want to talk Raptors uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at South of the Six Uh, there will be probably, I don't want to get too much of a sneak peek here, but there will be probably uh, a new adventure for me in terms of Blue Jays talk for a new podcast that I'll be making from the ground up, so like, I'm not abandoning Blue Jays talk, it's just, that's the numbers kids, we talked about this before, but uh, yeah guys thanks for having me on, it's a blast, it's a pleasure as always, thank you
1: yeah, as mentioned previously, miss, my friend, uh, you're always welcome here if you just need to vent. We'll even give you the Adam Corsair rant of the week if you have to, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate Adam, it. you
0: might have to be uh, my interim co-host uh, with Craig during the middle of February. I'm going across the pond, so uh, I'll g- we'll give you that title of interim co-host for February.
1: All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like it. There you go. So... Fellas, either way, another wonderful week of talking Blue Jays baseball. I know it's been a little bit of an extended since we had our New Year's, well, rewing in the New Year kind of thing, but we're back. <laughs> Blue Jays baseball is a great thing, hopefully, in the brewing this season, and spring training is so freaking close I can taste it, fellas. Maybe it's just because my Sabres are garbage and the Bills are out, but I'm ready for <laughs> baseball season. I'm looking forward to no more snow. And why don't we just kick this off, like we or finish this off, like we do every week, fellas, with a "Let's Go Blue Jays" chant. Let's go! Let's Blue Jays. go Blue Let's Jays! Let's go Blue Jays!
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day.